0: Open up your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 5. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis, the New Testament starts with Matthew, and 1 Peter's in the New Testament. The best way to get there, if you go to the very end of the Bible, it's like Revelation, Then before that is Jude, before that's Third John, before that's Second John, before that's 1 John, then 2 Peter and 1 Peter. Now, First Peter, amazingly enough, was written by a guy named Peter. Who would have thought, right? So he was actually a, an apostle, a follower of Jesus, and he wrote this letter. And so in verse 6, he said this. He said, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Now, this is a verse that we're going to revisit in a week or two, right here, this verse right here. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. For he cares about you. God cares about you personally. Well, Pastor, Rick, you don't know what I've done? He still cares about you. You don't know what I've done. He still cares about me. For he cares about you. Stay alert. Everybody say stay alert. Stay alert. So you think about staying alert, it means that you kinda always have to have your eyes open. You can, you know, you can never be off guard. You just gotta be ready. You gotta be ready. And so <laughs> I used to have used to have a football coach when I was in high school, and he would tell us that. He would say, you got to be ready like lunch meat. He said, other things you got to cook, lunch meat, you just take out of the package and put it on the bread. You got to be ready like lunch meat. And we're like, okay. So anyway, you got to be ready like lunch meat. And so, um, <laughs> so we have to be alert. And why do we have to be alert? He said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Pastor Rick, I don't have any enemies. Yes, you do. I love everybody. Good. Good, you should. Jabinemies you already tell you this. Said, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So we have to understand this, that we have a roaring lion that goes about, uh, I mean, we have an enemy that goes about as a roaring lion. Now, in the King James, it says, seeking whom he may devour. Now, we probably have the same English teacher. Did you did you have the English teacher I did? that whenever you would say to them, hey, can I get a drink of water? Their response would be, I don't know. Yeah, yeah we have the same English teacher. And so... <laughs> So the reason why she would do that is she's letting me know that I was supposed to use the word may because may is a permissive word. In other words, it gives me permission to. And so the King James says he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, who's going to give him permission to devour their life and devour their world? But he right here, he's writing to believers. He said, stand firm, stay alert for our enemy goes about. He said, He does the same thing, not just to us, but to believers all over the world—in the Middle East, in China, in Europe, in South America, in Africa, in all sorts, in in Australia, in every continent that there is. He goes about seeking for whom he may devour, but who's going to give him permission? So, when we talk about we talk about spiritual warfare, here's the first point: know this—we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And it's not, and we'll talk about this even more in just a minute, it, it's not people. We have an enemy that's being intentional, that he's, he's going about seeking whom he may devour. Now, we, when we hear general terms like that, we nod our heads in agreement, but I don't think they hold the impact because we never stop to make them specific. Let's make it specific. Your marriage has an enemy. That's right, that's right, Pastor. I told my wife the other day, you're the enemy of this marriage. No, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Your marriage has an enemy, and it's not your spouse. Your relationship with your kids has an enemy. Your connection with your church has an enemy. Your role in the community or what God has called you to do at your job or in your neighborhood has an enemy. And he's intentional. He's not waiting. He's not passive. That's why we have to stay alert. See, his big tool, his big weapon is deception. So you have to be alert because when people are deceptive, really what we're saying is they tricked me. They fooled me. In other words, they they don't let us know that they're our enemy. They don't let us know that it's not Good for us. And so we have this enemy. He is the enemy. He's the devil. And he goes about as a roaring lion. He prowls about as a lion looking for an opportunity to devour somebody. But we have to be alert because we won't even be aware that it's him. We Hollywood has just, our culture has painted this picture. Whenever they do like movies about God and the devil, they make it seem like these two equally powerful forces that are facing each other. Not even close. Not even close. The devil is, he's such a toothless lion that he doesn't want you to know that he's the one that's doing it. Real power reveals itself. But he's not that, so he has to lie to you. He has to deceive you. He likes to deceive me. He wants me to think in my marriage that Tina's the issue. He wants me to think when my relationship with my kids is not where it's supposed to be, that they're the issue. He wants me to think that when I'm frustrated as a pastor, that it's somebody in the church is the issue. He's, he's weak, but he's subtle. And so he's your enemy. You have to be alert because I know in my own life, just like that, I've fallen into his trap, fallen into his plan because I wasn't aware that it was him. Somebody else irritated me. Somebody else disappointed me. Somebody else did something. And as a result of that, I thought it was them. And so I responded as if it was them. And that often took me to the place that God didn't want me to be. So number one is this, is that we have an enemy. We have to be alert about him. We have to be aware about him. We can't lose sight of that. Now, I'm not saying to become so devil conscious that there's always a, you know, an evil spirit behind everything. You know, that's, that's not healthy. But on the other hand, when we become, we'll talk about this in the next point, when we become aware of his devices, then we begin to recognize like, I know who that is. So number one is when we talk about spiritual warfare. There is a battle. There is a war that's taking place we do have an enemy that we're fighting against. And so I don't know whenever you've heard that term, spiritual warfare, before what you thought it looks like or what you thought it is, but it's typically not. I've I've never had my head spin around in circles. I've never been elevated off of a bed. He doesn't deal with me that way, thank God. And so (laughs) it's subtle. It's I didn't know. It's I fall into that trap. And all of a sudden, I'm mad at somebody. I'm angry at somebody. I'm frustrated about a situation. I pull back from the very place that God has put me. And so to understand that there's this enemy. So number one is this. We talk about spiritual warfare. We have an enemy. Look at number two. If you would go with me to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians is several books before 1 Peter. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Now, Ephesians is interesting because the first three chapters talk about the things that Jesus did for us on the cross. And while he was, while he was you know, doing, uh, you know, while he was, uh, before he'd been raised from the dead, between the cross and the tomb. And then when he was raised from the dead, what took place? He was, you know, he took our sins upon him, that he, you know, we were made his masterpiece. He's given us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But chapters 4, 5, and 6 then talk about what that looks like lived out that we don't lie now and we don't get angry and hold on to our, or we don't hold on to our anger and those type of things. We don't, you know, we're we're grateful. And then chapter five talks about relationships, you know, like boss-employee relationships, employee-boss relationships, you know, spouse-husband-wife uh, relationships. It talks about a relationship with our kids and their relationship with us and then just different people. And then chapter six, it kind of finishes up with, uh, you know, some parenting things. And it talks about, then it talks about this, and I don't think it's a different subject to let us know if he talks about all of these relationships, that they're not our issue. So in chapter uh, 6, verse 10, it says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. In other words, not strong in my own strength. Well, I'm just going to be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all, everybody say all, All. of God's armor. Whose armor? Your armor? No. Your family's armor? No. Culture's armor? No. Grateful for education, but the education system's armor? No. Be strong and put on all of God's armor, his armor, what he would wear if he were in the situation that we were in, what he would use to be victorious. Put this on. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies. All the strategies. Everybody say all strategies. All strategies. That you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So he said, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So he said that, We need to be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes I can just read these verses and kind of go past them, and certain things don't grab my attention. But the word strategy there, it's an intentional word. It means that the devil is strategic in how he fights each one of us. Now, this is the truth. I have some insecurities in my life, and they may not be the same ones you have. So the way that he battles me may be different than the way that he battles you. You have some insecurities in the world, and they may not be the same ones I have. But I know this. I've, I've had to learn this over time, that the devil is very strategic in what he does. Again, he doesn't want you to know that it's him that's creating this. He doesn't want you to know that it's him that's causing the issue. He wants you to think that it's, you know, that it's your friend or it's your church, or it's your community, or it's your school, or it's your job, or it's your spouse, or it's your parents. And so he doesn't want to reveal that it's really him behind the scenes that's creating all of these issues, and he is strategic. Tina and I, as you know, as you know about us, we, we've been married you know, 36 years this year. And uh, yeah, thank you. So anyway, I would, you know, I wish, I mean, on the one hand, I wish I could tell you that when we first got married, That we had this great marriage, and it was just awesome. And I like to say, you know, Disney characters brought breakfast to us in bed every day. I'm assuming because I see that on other movies. But anyway, that was not our story. We were really, really different. And as a result, you know, just different in in where we grew up, different in the family setting we grew up in. And then I know this really twists some people, you know, because she's a woman and I'm a man, that made us different as well. And so, there I boldly said it. And so, um, and so uh, you know, just all of these things. And then she had different love languages than me. We connected emotionally different. We, you know, we processed different. You know, we communicated for different reasons as a man. You know, I communicate to relay information and to solve problems. She communicates to connect. We were laying in bed the other night, and we were talking about a situation. And she said, well, how do you think they felt? And I'm like... They really don't, we don't really do that. We don't like, so how do you feel? You know what I mean? It's just, I, I didn't hold him. Or anything. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you just kind of tell her, this is what's going on. And, and that was, she must not have got that because I had to tell her that like two or three more times as she rephrased her question. I'm like, I, we don't, we don't, we don't do that. And so I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable talking about this. Can we talk about something else? So, so we just, you know, we just talk differently, you know. We get married and we think like everybody else that we're the exception. I saw, you know, you might see your parents struggle marriage. We're the exception. We've got this down. We're gonna have a great marriage. And yeah, man, for the first three or four weeks, it was incredible. And so um, after that, after that, man, we just began to run into one issue after another. And you know, there'd be things that she would do that I thought she was doing on purpose either, you know, just out of indifference to me or because she regretted marrying me, all of these insecurities speaking, or she, you know, that she didn't love me. And then I would respond in such a way that, you know, in my anger or whatever, that she would be like, whoa, wait, don't, don't, you know, if you love me, you would be kinder. And so this, this went on not, not for days, not for weeks, not for months, but for years. And in time, because I didn't recognize it as the enemy, I entertained all those questions like, oh, we probably shouldn't have married each other. We probably married the wrong people. Or if I just just had somebody that understood me, things would be better. And we just had all of these, these issues. And the truth of the matter is I got to a point, because I didn't recognize who my enemy was, that each one of those thoughts began to build up on the inside of me. And eventually I got bitter. When I got bitter, man, it was an incredibly hard season in our marriage. You know, I used to think bitterness, I I know how important forgiving people is. and So I thought I'll never struggle with bitterness, but I didn't realize that bitterness doesn't, it doesn't begin where you can see it. Matter of fact, Hebrews calls it a root of bitterness, that it's under the surface. And over time, I kept nourishing that root. I kept, Feeding that root with my disappointment, with my hurt, with my anger. And eventually one day it broke through the surface and it became evident in my relationship with her. I began to care less about how I talked to her. If I disappointed her or hurt her heart, it began to matter to me less. Because bitterness, one of the powers in it is that you feel justified if they were a better spouse, I wouldn't do this. And the devil had me convinced that she was my issue because he wanted to destroy our marriage on that if he destroyed our marriage, it would impact us. It might impact our kids. It was just this whole attack that he was trying on us at the time. And I never forget, I really got to that place one day where all of my bitterness and the damage that it had done was just kind of put in front of me. A heart was broken. I couldn't believe I'd gotten to the place that I did. I remember asking her to forgive me and I even asked my kids, you know, to forgive me and I asked God to forgive me. I'd like to tell you that immediately it fixed everything, but but there was just, hurt that had to be healed from on both sides over time. But because I became aware of who the enemy was that wasn't her and instead of falling prey to his tactics I began to resist those things. I began to endeavor to follow God's voice that in time our hearts were healed. And one day I wake up and all of a sudden, the marriage that I always wanted, I have. One day, the relationship I always wanted with whoever I married, I have. And the devil told me before, in order to have that, it would have to be with somebody else. But as I began to realize that he's a liar, he was strategic, he knew my insecurities, he knew her insecurities. And when it came to affection, She may not be affectionate because what she experienced as a child. And yet affection was what communicated value to me. And so she was broken in the very area that I needed from her. But instead of understanding that it was a place that she'd been broken in, I viewed it as her feelings towards me, and so the devil made it personal. And how do we do when we feel rejected? If we're not submitted to God, man, we display that response in anger. Some of you right now, man, you're going to a hard place with somebody. It may not be your marriage. It could be somebody else in your family. It could be at your job. It could be at the church. It could be at your school. It could be in your community. It could be just a situation or circumstance that the enemy has not revealed to you that he's the one that's feeding that insecurity. Feeding that place of where you've been taken advantage of or hurt before. Making you think that it's them or it's their intent. Because he goes about as a roaring lion looking for an opportunity to devour something or someone or some relationship that God has placed in your life. He's strategic. He's looking for that place that insecurity, that wound, that unresolved issue, that, that appetite, that thing that just you're vulnerable in. It's not the same place as me, but we all have that place. So we think about spiritual warfare. It's, it is this clandestine thing. It is this behind-the-scenes thing. It's, it's this enemy that never reveals his hand. He never says, oh, hey, by the way, this is me. This is me. It's, it's always, it's them. It's them and whatever it is. And I use marriage as an example, but clearly it doesn't have to be just marriage. People have quit serving in church. They've left church before because they've ran into an issue and the devil has fed them. They don't care about you there. You don't matter to them. If you really mattered, oh, I bet they'll take care of so and so. They'll do this for them, but they're not going to do that for you. I was just having those thoughts, were you? Were you just having those thoughts? Could it be that there's an enemy behind the scenes that he knows that that's an area that's that you've been hurt in before, and he knows that if he can get you to isolate yourself from the body of Christ, that you become vulnerable. If he can get you to pull away from serving, that you'll never realize. Places that God wants to use you in. He, he's strategic. Whatever he's done to you in the past, however, he's, however he's been used to be destructive in relationships. To pull you away from the things that God has for you. To cause you to get to a place where you never trust anybody. Because he's used somebody else in their brokenness to hurt you. That you've made those vows. I'll never, whatever that is again. And you close the door for things that God wants to do in your life because this enemy behind the scenes has convinced you that it's this person. And anyone who looks like them, sounds like them, talks like them, must be them. And so number two is that we have to understand our enemy is strategic. Let's keep reading there in that. So he said, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood uh, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. Therefore. Put on every piece of God's armor. Whose armor is it? God's. Put his armor on so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Not your family's armor, not your past armor, not what people on TV say. You've tried those before. You will not win the battle wearing that armor. You wear the armor, you win the battle wearing God's armor so that you can resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be able to stand firm, stand your ground, Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the wicked of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here's the third point: is that with spiritual battle, or sp- you know, that we do have spiritual warfare. We do have an enemy. He is strategic. But know this, God has given us what we need for whatever battle we're in. Whatever battle you're in, God's given you the armor that you need. He's given you the weapons of of his warfare. They're not carnal. They're not maybe what you grew up with. They're not just getting your feelings hurt and giving people the silent treatment or getting angry and just, you know, responding in such a way that you make sure forever that relationship is severed. No, it's his armor. It's the armor of God so that you can be victorious in every battle. Again, he says it this way. He said, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Whose armor are you wearing right now? And so we got to wear God's armor in these situations. And he tells us what those armors look like and the areas that they protect. He starts out with the belt of truth that's the very thing because it holds all of these other things together. Letting us know that one of the areas that the devil's going to attack us in is in the area of truth. He's a liar. Jesus said in John 8 that he's the father of lies. The truth was not in him from the beginning. He said he's a murderer, too. And so we're given the belt of truth because we'll need that in this battle. Because the devil will lie to you. And so you'll need the truth to revert back to. Then he said, after that, he said this: the breastplate of righteousness. Well, that's in reference to our relationship with God. And when it's good, when it's right, it enables us to have right relationships with each other. And it protects our heart, the thing that connects us in those relationships, that right relationship with God, that we're reminded that, you know, that because of Jesus, I'm good with God. And so as a result of that, I can be good with you. I can love you in your brokenness, and hopefully you can love me in mine. Then he goes on to say, the shoes of peace that those shoes are the things that take us, the devil's always trying to get us off track, always trying to get us off the path that God has for us. And we wear those shoes, and they take us where God sends us, in the way that God sends us to go there, with the peace of God. Then the shield of faith, it allows us to trust God. He helps us in our places where we're not in control. Faith is when I'm not in control. I'm gonna trust God. And that shield of faith, that says it quenches the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, it, back then they had two types of archers. They had like the mass archers where they would just release the arrows in the sky and there'd just be this sky full of flame arrows coming at you. But they also had their own version of snipers or marksmen. And those would be, those would be uh, archers that would be by themselves and they would look for a vulnerable place in the armor and they would aim for that place. And, and one, one scholar said this right here, that those fiery darts that he's talking about is that archer that's looking for that vulnerable place in our armor. And he said, the thing that quenches that is, not, is not, the, not my carnal weapons, not my family weapons, not cultural weapons, but the shield of faith. In other words, God, I'm out of control here, but I trust you. I, you know, God, that this is out of my hands, but I trust you. The shield of faith means that just like Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God used for good. And so the shield of faith does that for us. And then he said, put on a helmet of salvation. And that helmet of salvation, man, it gives us confidence in our relationship with God. It's the thing that knows, helps out, but also protects our thought life. Because the devil, that's where he comes a lot of times. He lies to us there. And then lastly, God's word is a weapon to fight back with. You know, I try to use my own weapons sometimes in my marriage. I try to use my own weapons. Sometimes, you know, I would withdraw emotionally. Or I would just get short. Or I just, you know, would just, you know, not really be connected. That's exactly what the enemy wanted me to do because he didn't didn't reveal that he was the enemy to my marriage. So I used my own weapons. When I discovered that it wasn't my wife, but it wasn't him, it changed how I fought that battle and who I fought it with. And so, because I am in a battle, God doesn't just say, just take it. He just says, make sure you're in the right battle, fighting the right enemy. If the devil can get us distracted fighting the wrong person, Then we keep getting hit, and we're like, why does this keep happening to me? You're fighting the wrong battle. And so we're given the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, to fight our real enemy with. As we declare the promises of God, and we put on God's armor in this situation, it makes us aware of who our real enemy is in this battle. And it says this, that when we do that, that God always, everybody say always, always. Always causes us to triumph. Always. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Some of you, man, you're you're deep in it right now. You're in a real area of conflict, and maybe you're angry at somebody, or maybe angry at something. Some of you may be here today, maybe you haven't been in a church in years because you got hurt in the church, and the devil convinced you that it was the church that did it. It was the pastor that did it. Maybe you've been hurt here. Maybe I've hurt you. And man, if I have, hear my heart. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I don't want to be the instrument that the devil uses to rob you of what God has for you. Let's just take a moment, man, and just get in God's presence and refocus on who our fight is with who our battles are with. And remind us that we've not been left to our own devices. We've been armed with the things that we need. Let's just spend a moment with God.